Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., so yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like And he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been at a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24-yard shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, and we're doing one of your guys' favorites. We're coming with a legend of the woods, coming out of Arkansas River Bottoms. We've only done uh, one other buck from Arkansas that I know of, and uh, if you're down there hunting these river bottoms, sound like there's some some giant bucks. Don't sound, sound like they're few and far between, but mm-hmm. sounds like you can you can find one. This is an epic up and down story over a bunch of years, encounters. Missed opportunities, um, just a all around great whitetail story. Uh, let's get the people to make this possible, and we'll we'll get into the show. Gonna start out with last breath, guys. Like we say all the time, the launch party is coming, guys. Um, 
If you can't make it, though, for some ungodly reason, you can watch their films on YouTube at Last Breath TV. So maybe you're hearing us talk about these guys, and you're like, man, do I really want to make that four-hour drive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go to the YouTube channel, click through there, and watch their videos. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see that kind of quality, that kind of deer size, the camaraderie, um, along and- with all the other stuff of the show. But if you want to see, like, what what is the footage going to look like that I'm actually going to see, go to Last Breath YouTube, watch their films. Um, I, we, you know, we're part of it, so it's we're kind of like, <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, but, yeah, no. <laughs> but hey, it, literally... Some of the best quality whitetail content that is out there right now getting made. The amount of work and effort that they put into quality editing, the time that it takes, making sure that they have film, you know, camera guys are not so filming. The shots are there. Like, takes a lot of work. If you if you film, you understand. But if you guys want to know what the launch party films are going to be, check out some of their content on the YouTube page, and uh, then you have an idea. And once you watch it, you're going to be like, okay, it's going to be solid. I want to go. So if you do want to go, get a hold of us. We'll get you guys tickets. We'll make a plan. Like I said, we got people carpooling. If there's something that we can make happen for you, we're going to do our best to try to get you here if you guys want to go. So do you you have Exodus this week? Yeah, this week I want to talk about uh, the Exodus render and their mobile data plan. The way that Exodus is set up is they run their mobile data. The app is through Scout Tech. And um, you can have multiple cameras on the same plan. You don't have to have one plan per one camera. So that is a great deal, I believe. Um, If you're running into usage problems, you can lower the quality of that picture and extend your plan out a little bit, especially when you get multiple um, cameras on there. So that is something you you do got some wiggle room there to extend the plan and... um, you can put it all on one plan and you just keep adding it up there. If uh, if you can, if you're not getting very many picks, it's going to be a great deal. You know, like yeah. like we're not on any feed or anything. You know, mm-hmm. so we're just on trails. So um, we could probably sneak by with three, maybe four on one day. Um, yeah, if we if we don't do the old classic, put it on a bush yeah. or uh, get a bunch of blanks of grass blowing. Yeah, <laughs> then then if we get it set up solid in a good spot on a solid tree. Um, we, we could run some cams and, you know, adjust that image or another feature I really love is being able to turn that camera off from a certain time, turn yeah. it off at 10 AM, turn it back on at 6 PM and, uh, kind of conserve the batteries there too. And your picture data usage. So yeah. One other thing I like about that is we run multiple different mobile cams companies. And I like that mean you can be like, I'll have renders, you got renders, I can, can share. You can we can be on the same Scout Tech, and you can both get on there and look at the pictures. Exactly. I just so, give you the login. So now, yeah. like when you get when you bought yours off Amazon, yeah, I I basically got yeah a cam. He basically got a cam. So like if you got that, if you got like three guys that you're hunting with, and you're like, man, the cost of this is kind of high. Split it three ways, and then you all get that intel instantly. So like say. You're three guys from out of state, and you're hunting Illinois, and maybe you all can come at different times of the year or something, you know. Uh, You get that one camera. You can all split the data. You can all split the cost, and you can all get that intel. With other cameras, like, he's depending on what I send him (laughs) in screenshot. Like, if someone wanted to be a savage, oh, yeah, I'll send you all the, you know, all the data that I'm getting, blah, 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 and you never get the text message, and he's like, well, I sent it. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, but with that scout tech, you all get the pictures, which I really like because I wake up in the morning. I don't know how many times. First thing I do is send you trail camp pictures. Yep. Like, hey, this is what was last night. And <laughs> then I just get on the scout tech app, and I can look what the hell happened on the Exodus camp. Yeah, and I don't have to worry about sending it. Yeah, so. you don't have to worry about sending it. And then I don't have to worry about going through there, making sure I get every buck and screenshotting it and grabbing it and sharing it. Zooming in because on the you know it it's it's just way easier, so way easier. All right, that's it, right? That's it. Let's get into the show. Here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. Here we are with Dylan Dulaney on the line. How you doing tonight, Dylan? Doing great, guys. Doing great. Um, we're gonna talk to you about a buck you shot here this past fall. Anything with an extra main beam or something large coming off the base, I really enjoy, and uh, I think it's cool because you don't get to see a whole bunch of that. No, and yeah. uh, your buck seems to have uh, fit that bill. Yeah, no doubt about that. So that beam is actually brand new this year. Oh, nice. uh, he's never never had that beam before, and I can't remember how long. I think it's twelve inches long coming off the base. It's large, and it, and we'll get into the story more. But it's probably my fault. The reason he has the beam. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, cool. Before so, we get into the story there, uh, just go ahead and ish- introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, just kind of what you do for a living and uh, how long you've been hunting and stuff. For sure, for sure. So my name is Dylan Dulaney. I'm a pharmacist. Um, uh, recently graduated pharmacy school last last May. Um, I've been hunting, I guess, since I was six, six years old. Uh, I grew up on a cattle farm, and that's kind of where we started with my grandfather and really picked up bow hunting about when I was 14 got really serious about it and uh pretty much now all i'll do is is bow hunt for the major for the majority of the time i'm gonna hunt once or twice a year and uh but i just love hunting all, all forms of it uh turkey deer and duck are the main the main three and it's uh it's a passion you know kind of obsession for sure yeah. when i'm not doing farm things that's what i'm always dabbling my extra time with and baseball i have i have two boys so i have a 10 year old of uh, it's about to be 11 and then a 14 month old. So, Oh, wow. Hit the reset button yeah. there. You're about to get real yeah. hot and heavy here in the baseball being 10. Oh, well, yeah. We, he plays travel ball. So, yeah. uh, we've been doing it to seven and that's pretty every weekend is his travel ball until, until fall and it's, it's hunting. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, luckily he likes, he likes to hunt. So that's good. Uh, d- where, where do you live at currently? So currently, um, I live in Water Ridge, Arkansas. Uh, I work in Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's northeast Arkansas. It's like in the Mississippi Delta. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, when I'd seen that your buck was from Arkansas, I um, I kind of wanted you to maybe go into a little bit of the deer hunting in Arkansas. You don't really hear much about Arkansas on the deer hunting scope. So um, <laughs> maybe if you go ahead and describe that to some of our listeners as much as you want to tell. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. So, um, Arkansas is a, it's a great state for deer hunting. I mean, obviously, we have great deer numbers um, across. Really, like where you're when you start hitting west from here, you'll cross Black River and you get into like the, the foothills of the Ozarks. Then you get the Ozarks and you know, great deer populations. Now, obviously, the rack size doesn't you know is not huge, but they have a lot of deer, and and d- deer hunting is definitely part of uh, a strong part of our heritage in in Arkansas. There's a lot of deer hunters. We we uh have long seasons and kill a lot of deer but uh the bigger deer um due to pretty much once you cross black and you and you get going out west especially northwest arkansas and even further south you're on the mountains those are around it's not much 
you know, but it's rocky terrain, not much, uh, you know, crops. Um, but in the Delta region, the deer density is not as high because a lot of the, you know, uh, a lot of it's cleared. So therefore you don't have as much, you know, woods for deer to, to live and browse and go and live in and pretty much all rice fields and cotton fields and corn and beans, but not rolling terrain or anything like that, like in the Midwest. Um, but there's some very, very large deer in the, in the bottoms, like around the, the Black River, uh, Mississippi River, White River, those bottom, bottom ground uh, areas hold a lot of really, really big whitetails. Yeah, that's a, the a, the legend of Woods. Maybe like a year and a half ago, he was from Arkansas, right? He, yeah. he was on the Mississippi River, right? He was he was boating in. He was miles. boating in on the Mississippi River, and he killed an absolute yeah. slob down there, right off the river. So, so yeah, oh yeah. I mean, big deer have wet feet in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Look like they're wearing black socks yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah, we uh, I mean, pretty much all the big deer that I've I've killed have been I've come in with the boat, and this one this one as well. So nice. All right. Uh, did yeah. you have a name for the deer before we get into it here? You know, I went a long time and never had a name for the deer. Um, it was just the only deer. <laughs> <'Cause I> was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's it. Um, for a while, after I after I hit him um, and wounded him, he got a name. He got it, and it's nothing uh, special. It's just scar because he had this scar on his left shoulder, and uh, it was always a reminder of. Just a terrible night. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible night, October night. So I would say from the post I've seen that uh, to get in contact with you, it uh, seems like it's going to be a pretty good story here. So I'll let you go ahead and start from the beginning or wherever you want to and uh, go into much detail as you want. And uh, let's hear about the story of Scar. Awesome. So like I mentioned earlier, you know, I grew, I grew up on a cattle farm, you know, hunting, bow hunting and, and gun hunting. And uh, the deer we have, we're not huge, but I got into bow hunting. I was trying to get into hunting some bigger deer and I was hunting a lot of public and um, didn't have much permission on private um, in like the bottoms around the river bottoms and stuff. But I uh, actually picked up some permission on a, on a property, on a farm, he's a rice farmer, farms about 2,000 acres. But of that 2,000 acres, there might be in total 30 to 40 acres of woods uh, along the along like the, uh, the river that runs that farm and uh so I, at first i didn't know what to think you know we'll see we'll see what it's got so i went in scouted these little woodlots out because just little woodlots little patches of woods up and along this river um and some ditches that you know he farms and i have permission to so didn't see a lot of deer scouting at all um seen a few tracks um but i found a pretty heavily used trail this was 2000 uh 2000 this thing, uh, 16, it's 2016 when I got permission that fall, I went in there as November 20, 20, no, no, November 19th. And I was scouting. I found a good trail, uh, crossing a Creek, like a little ditch that's coming off the river and, uh, put a trail camera on it and, uh, left. Well, I went to go visit my brother-in-law. He was in the military in San Antonio and I got back like a day before Thanksgiving. Well, I went in there and pulled that camera and, here he was. He was daylight three times <laughs> in two days <laughs> on that trail. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, if I, if I just hung a stand right there, I'd kill him like the next day, like, you know, but I had no idea. And I, so that, that fired me up, obviously. And at this time I never hunted that terrain. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I proceeded to hunt. And this time I was in, I was an undergrad, so I could hunt a lot. 
So uh, I hunted, I think there was, at that point, there was like, uh, I guess it'd be like 70, 80 days left in season, but really true season before they started dropping antlers, about 50 days left in season. I hunted that same woodlot in that same area, I think 37 mornings and <laughs> and like, four, I, you know, a lot of afternoons, but I go before, before I went to school and, and I mean, I hunted it, hunted it, and I did not see one deer, not one deer. I just kept hunting <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing, guys. I'm telling you, uh, this deer has taught me more and more about uh, deer hunting than I ever dreamed or, or could learn from anybody else. Because not only did, you know, hunting the deer, you learn about deer um, and their patterns and how they behave and bed and, and move along these this terrain. Because that's one thing. Every deer in its terrain is going to be different. Um, I mean, there's trends, obviously, but uh, you really got to figure out the niche of that area. But diving into podcasts, I never listened to a podcast, deer hunting podcast until 2016. I mean, that's when I started like picking up, trying to learn more and more and more because like I said, my grandfather, he doesn't really bow hunt, but uh, um, I thought, well, the best way to do it is just learn as much as you can and pick it up and be able to, you know, plug it in in places that you think it might be useful. But um, so I started, you know, engulfing myself in all of hunting that I could find out in order to uh, better my odds for the years to come. So started after that, you know, season, I didn't have any luck, never saw him again, never got another photo of him. So I kind of chalked it up like, I don't know, maybe he was just passing through on a hot dough and that's it, you know. Well, I throw a mineral station out that summer um, and I start getting him like every week in the summer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he lives here. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to figure out where he was at. I was just hunting the wrong woodblock or something. So, you know, going and, um, you know, replenishing that station, you know, every month and Pulling, pulling the camera, checking the cards. I mean, he's on there like clockwork. I mean, I'm like, my gosh, I mean, who knows? I might get him first week because at this year, you know, like I said, it's all rice, but they planted beans about half a mile or so from that specific wood block where I dropped the mineral station at where I first get this photo of that. And, um, you know, I thought he might, I might could catch him going out to those beans, you know, if he's bedded somewhere in that block or along the river um, and that kind of thing. But, like August, uh, from August 15th, to August 25th, every single year, which I didn't know this then he just disappears. Like he's gone, you know, the, the shift, you know, kind of thing. So I don't get any photos of him and I can't figure it out. You know, I'm like frustrated. So I just start, uh, scouting a lot and, uh, looking for him, trying to pick up find sign because I'm not really finding much sign in that area at all. I just recently uh, purchased like a climber so I could try, try to be a little bit more mobile and that'll that'll play more into the story later but um, the that was a really dry fall in 2017 um, and there was some ground that the farmer owned on the up the river about a mile and across and it was a uh, I think it's like a 14 acre block of timber. Um, and I said, well, you know what? I'll go up there and kind of poke around. Never been up there and see, see if you might have moved it north. So I will actually walk the river, the bottom of the river. That's how dry it is. This river is real small. This isn't what this isn't, you know, a Mississippi or anything like that. It's a really small river. So it goes up and down real fast. They've drudged the river. So there's no flood. There's like no floodplain or anything like that. It's just the river 
and it will get out, but it has to get really high to get out. But this year, there's no, no rain, super dry. So I walked uh, north down the bottom of that riverbed, hop into the, that wood block, and I found my first oak tree ever on, on the, in this, like, like in the in the area in the terrain that we were in um and i was like hey this is this is good because you know from you know hunting the hills i know you know they love oaks so i was getting pretty excited and i, I walk about 20 yards behind this giant scrape and i'm like good sign good sign um and this is like october i think like 13th or something we have fall break at this point i'm a first year in pharmacy school so had really busy schedule but we have fall break like the 13th to the 16th or 17th or something and so it's like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And this is a Thursday. Well, I hung a camera and I was going to come back on Saturday and check it. And I hung the camera and uh, he was on the scrape uh, two afternoons in a row, right before daylight. So I said, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was over, you know. And uh, so I went in and I couldn't get in the tree that I wanted to get into with the, with the climber. So I had to carry those freaking, you know, six foot sections of ladder uh that you piece together and strap yeah. on the tree and 20 pound you know 25 pound millennium all the way down there um and i hung it uh i hung it saturday afternoon after i got that photo um and then i planned to hunt him there was going to be a little bit of rain that would come in and uh uh cold fronts coming in and we had uh we had a red moon the next that, that for, for the, that weekend was a red moon weekend essentially so i was you know pretty excited about the conditions i thought i had a chance on him um did not hunt the morning um went to church told my wife i said look after church i'm gonna get in the stand like 1 32 o'clock and uh i think i got a good chance to kill him so uh got out of church went up there got in the stand about it's like 2 45 actually there was a little small tree in the way uh, for a good shot to that scrape um it's like 25 yards shot but i had to trim the tree but so i trimmed the tree i cut it down and made a gigantic racket got in the stand i was like thinking there's no chance the setup on this essentially um is the riverbank runs north and south and i'm maybe maybe 20 yards off the river um and there's uh to my west there's crop fields and i'm in this little like i said this little small block of timber that has a little high point on it uh the rest of it floods real bad and uh this this has some oaks on top of it and there was a uh there was a persimmon tree that was freshly dropping as well um and there's not very many of those at all it's like i found two from, from out of all this property that i can find that i can hunt these last few years about um, it was like 5:45. Here comes a buck working directly down, um, directly down the riverbank to me, and it's real thick, real small timber, and uh, it's not it's not open hardwoods. And so he gets like within 60 yards, and I realize, crap, it's him. <laughs> and so the wind we had where it was, uh, see, so it's coming out of the northwest, so it was essentially one of those quartering like crosswinds. So it was like hitting him like in the side of the face, and he's walking. He's walking straight down the riverbank and then he cuts back and there's this really there's this heavily used trail that goes right by that scrape and i'm thinking well he's gonna walk it's gonna be perfect he's never gonna get my wind he's gonna walk 25 yards i'm gonna smoke him like he has every every other afternoon little did i know that he had 
a little like a, a trail that ran parallel with this main trail that I guess, you know, he used some other bucks used. But anyway, he was walking straight down this trail and uh, he gets to 15 yards and he's quartering to me. And at this point I'm shaking like a leash, you know, I haven't never, I've never seen a deer this big in my life. So I come to full draw and uh, he stops and he's eating acorns and he's quartering to me. And it was a learning experience. I should have never taken the shot. I should have been more patient, allowed him to walk behind me. Cause honestly, the, my wind probably would have went over his head. I thought he might would win me. I was getting nervous. I rushed the shot. I hit him high shoulder at 15 yards, got like four or five inches of penetration. So I just like that gummit, man. <laughs> uh, you know, immediately, you know, like it's not good. So I just back out, go home and search the next like two days for him. You know, no blood, nothing. Um, I hunted a little bit, a um, little bit for him. But then I thought maybe if he's, if he's, if he's, uh, he's hurt trying to heal, I don't need to put any stress on him. I'm just going to back out for like three weeks, go hunt some public that I've been scouting. I actually killed my second, dig- my, well, my third biggest buck while I was not hunting him on another piece of big, big public and on the St. Francis River, uh, Sunken Lands public ground. It's like, he was like a one, 135 buck. He's very nice eight point. Um, so I backed out and then I went in and checked the camera that I had hung early in the summer on a old scrape, like a licking branch that I found. And uh, as I'm sure y'all know, you know, they they use those licking branches year round. You know, it's like a social place. Um, but he showed up on camera. Uh, it was like November 28th or so. It was in the same wood block he showed up in the year prior um, when I when I was when the the very first wood block that I ever scouted hung camera. And he visits that wood block every year, by the way, every single year from November 23rd to November 30th, he's in there. I mean, every year, um, until this year, you know, he's not, he's no longer around, but, um, uh, so, you know, it gives me hope he has uh, at this point, he looked good, looked healthy. Um, I thought, man, he's, he's doing, he's going to be fine. You know, it was just kind of a flesh wound. That's what I thought originally. Well, um, hunted him, didn't have much luck. And by the winter, he shed one side like on January 4th or so. And he was already starting to get this kind of like pocket, like this like pus pocket on his on his shoulder. Well, 2018 summer, I did the same thing, you know, put the mineral out and uh, started getting getting him every week, you know, just like last summer. But he's lost like 50 inches um, and it looks sick and has this giant pus pocket. Mm hanging off his shoulder and there's some pictures on facebook as well of that like in that post i don't know which post you saw but i could send y'all some more pictures but anyway um so i'm just sick you know i feel terrible <laughs> i hate that you know that's happening to him and i decide um i said man he's lived this long he's, he's probably gonna make it but i decided to not hunt him whatsoever put zero zero stress on him um and just let him be and uh see what happens that was my plan but monitor with trail cameras and still get that data that I could use in 2019. And at this point, you know, I'd scouted out every wood block I could up and down that river. It's about, you know, uh, about a mile, two mile stretch of little, little pockets of wood blocks I could hunt up and down this little small river. Uh, like I said, about 30, 40 acres in total of, of, of woods that I could hunt. 
and kind of put truck cameras everywhere, trying to figure them out. Um, so he goes to that year and he, he, he pops the bus pocket, uh, heals up fine. Um, and I guess I never explained what he looked like to start with, but he was like a clean 10, um, probably 160, 170, just beautiful 10 point, uh, picture perfect split brows, both sides, just a beautiful buck. In 2016, when I first started hunting him, 2017 is when he goes to an eight. He drops down to an eight um, and uh, lost like 50 inches of antler. I mean, he's probably less than one, I mean, 115, maybe, you know, I mean, it's just nothing. I mean, it is insane. And, and he never got very big and uh, his body looked poor. But anyway, so the the following summer, same thing, same scenario. Um, I guess that would be 2019. 2019, he blows back up. But he's a beautiful eight point, gigantic eye guards. Um, he's probably a, if I was just guessing, one, probably like a 150, 168. I mean, just a toad eight point, uh, gigantic beams, um, beautiful buck. So, make a long story short, that year I hunted him quite a bit uh, when the wind was right. And I started accessing, access, accessing him through the river. So I left, I started leaving a boat in the river all year because there's no, the way this river's cut, strudged, there's no, uh, there's no access point. You can't just put a boat in and out. So if you want access to the river, you gotta, you gotta leave a boat in it. So I uh, started leaving a boat in it and, um, you know, accessing from the river and hunting like maybe 15, 20 yards off the banks. Like not, not, not imposing my will too much because the way the, I figured out the way these books work along this river is they lie on these on the edges of these pot, wood pockets and they see you coming from like four or 500 yards. Like you can't get to them. Like if you drive up, walk, they know you're there. So that's why I started seeing more deer, a lot more deer. Cause previously, you know, was not seeing any deer. And what turned me on to that idea was the way I access, access that little piece when I shot it, I came in from the river, but it was dry. So that's, that's raised the bar of like success way up. I had four encounters with them. In 2019, one of them being like 23 yards, but the, it was just too thick, no shot. Uh, I'd had to take a chest shot. I just, it was no good. And uh, um, just never really, never really happened. Uh, but it was a great year. Learned a lot about the deer. Um, so, you know, another thing when you talk about his age too, because like in 2019, he's probably getting, I mean, when I first found him in 2016, like I said, he's huge. He's got to be at least four or five years old at least. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're getting to, you know, four, five, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, nine, I mean, he could be nine or 10 at this point. So going into the summer, you know, he's like at least 10, I mean, not at least nine, you know, he could be 12 and the tax terms, by the way, said he's never seen a jaw like this. Like he, he's, you know, a wild deer. He's probably nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. He is not a tooth, not a tooth in his head, you know, um, which explains a lot too about 2020 because 2020 story is a lot different. Um, they had mowed down the riverbanks. Um, so like usually the riverbanks are all grown up and they bed along this river up and down it. Uh, but they mowed them that summer and cut roads in them and the farmers were using them for access. And I only got like four photos of them in the summer of 2020. So I was like, man, and then, and then he, he disappeared and I had zero photos of him in season for 2020. And, um, but he always went North. So I just assumed, okay, he's got to be North. He's got to be North. 
And I picked up one photo of him like November eighth or ninth, like a terrible picture. And I was like, that's that's gotta be him. Me and my buddy that hunts that that, that I hunt a lot with. And it's like going back and forth because we could just see this is when he grew the beam coming out of his head that's um, 11 or 12 inches. And I, I can't remember how long it is, but the, the extra main beam. We saw that beam and I said, that's gotta be him. That's just a blurry picture in, in that night. And uh so we were hunting and and I couldn't, you know, wouldn't have any luck. Um and um kind of kind of get my story straight but uh anyway i think it was november i don't know not 20th or 19th or 20th and i was on another buck that was pretty good um on the same river kind of really thought there was no chance I, I thought that maybe he's getting old i don't know i thought he died before i got that one photo of him really um because he'd been so regular on the cameras historically and uh so i went in i was hunting up north um like i said and I was going, I was planning to hunt that same block down south originally um, from November 23rd to like the end of November as much as I could because I knew historically he showed, he, he showed up in that wood block every single year, you know, checking for does and stuff. Well, I was up north hunting another buck, like I said, and uh, I was on one side of the river and uh, I, I hunted that morning, saw a decent buck and, you know, I had a, an idea that, you know, this I was in the game on another buck, but, uh, anyway, walking out, I walked past this tiny little wood block that I've never hunted before. Um, and this is kind of a God thing for sure, because, um, walking my truck and this little wood, little wood block can't be more than like, I think four or five acres, maybe max, maybe three acres. There's a slough that runs down the edge of it. And I'm walking down this field road and uh, a mallard is in this slough and he jumps up. And he's flying, and I'm just watching him fly, but he's flying super, super low, like maybe five, ten feet off the ground. And he flies right by this giant rub. And I'm like, I've never seen this rub before. I probably walked by this little wood block like, I don't know, 10, 15 times already this year. Just going, going towards the river. And uh, so I had to go over and check it out, you know. And so I, there's another rub, and another rub, and another rub. And I walked back there about 20 yards just rub 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 and there's another little little rise and it's got one oak tree and then this we call it like a swamp oak and um comes out it's got good great looking branches all over it and then about 40 yards behind that is a big slope and uh in arkansas on the bottoms they love to bed like i said in the water or on little right little bitty islands in in sloughs like that's they feel very safe. It had four scrapes around it. So I was like, my gosh. And um, luckily I had, I have a mobile stand, like a really nice mobile setup now from like Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I bought this year and I had it at the house, but I just hung a, stand, a set that morning and moved the set for that afternoon. Like I already knew what I was going to hunt that afternoon, but I, I, I found this sign on the way out. So I, I run home immediately, go get my um, little running gun stand and get back out there and i'm ready to rock at like 2:15. so i'm sitting there and as i'm hanging the stand i'm like four sticks up i hear like a a, a buck bust and and jumps in the water and like i mean i don't know if it's a buck or no but a deer like busted you know at that point i'm like hey young, you know like i said not very big block of woods i'm thinking that might have been the buck that's making all this sign and I didn't know it was Scar, but um, 
kind of, you know, you kind of hope and pray that it might be. I thought it might have been the buck I was hunting. Just I pushed him a little bit and he moved across the river. But um, anyway, uh, turns out, I think, you know, at that point, it was getting dark uh, around, I was like 6.05 is like when it's getting getting really dark that time of year. It was like 5.53. That was like, five. isn't it 5.45 or 5.47 or something? A buck comes coming out at sloop. And the first glimpse I get of him, he's like 50 yards. And there's that extra beam coming off the base. And I'm like, wow. You know, I had chill bumps at this point. Oh, another thing about this. Yeah, I mentioned bow hunting the whole time. I've not taken my muzzleloader at all to the whole to, to all these years. And I was hunting with that morning and uh, I had a muzzleloader with me. So uh, just full disclosure, I killed the buck with a muzzleloader. Um, but I shot him at eight yards with that muzzleloader. <laughs> he walks, he walks, he walks all the way out of that sleigh, walks those scrapes works every one of those scrapes and this is like a four or five minute deal and i'm just like <sighs> unbelievable and um it's just awesome i mean just tearing them up branches all in them just you know just i mean just tearing it up and then he walks down the trail and he's walking to me and there's another scrape a little closer going towards the riverbank and uh he's gonna walk to that one and make that but anyway he gets to eight yards and i'm just behind the scope and i'm just like i'm kind of nervous but then i realize i just say hey dylan you know slow the game down, uh, breathe, uh, you're not going to mess it up again. And I shoot. You connected to story that. and call all my buddies. Nice, man. Eight yards. That's how it goes. You go in there, <laughs> yeah. you're just yeah. try effort, 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 trying, trying, trying. And then he's just right there. <laughs> We've been there. You're like, okay, I'm taking the gun. I'm going to shoot a doe. Boom. Giant. <laughs> this is how I, it goes. At that point, I didn't care. Yeah. You um, don't care. Or, or a bow, but, um, you know, obviously I've been kind of sweet to get him a bow because it all started with that. But, um, I, that, that type of deer, the story I had, all the history. Yeah. I mean, whatever. that old of a deer, that's awesome. Honestly, man. honestly, it feels like, you know, he won the whole time, you know, and, it, and maybe he just, he, it was like a God thing. He just didn't really want to die in the woods. He'd rather die on my wall and just yeah. walks out and says, Hey man, here I am. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I've lived yeah. a good life. Time to roll out. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so let me tear these scrapes up one more time. Let, let me tell everybody I'm rolling out. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool yeah. that like, you got to watch the show for four to five minutes for him to come in. And Oh yeah. It was awesome. Right. Right. I when you said that. Camera. Right when you said that, I think that's why I like turkey hunting so much because you get to view the your animal so much longer, I think. Usually when I'm deer hunting and it's an encounter with a buck, it's like wham, bam, shot, see ya. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's, yeah. it, it just goes super fast. But to be able to watch a deer and, you know, do his thing and his natural element, you know, it's uh, pretty cool. No, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's my favorite thing about bow hunting, to be honest, is is you get to see these deer, you know, um, in their natural space and just be kind of a fly on the wall. And just, I love the feeling of like, they have no idea I'm in the woods, you know? And, uh, but it's awesome. That's what we need it's to awesome. do. We need to think like a fly. So we're yeah. just like barely out there, yeah. bro. <laughs> not getting, not getting blown out all the time. <laughs> Instead of a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. I'm a gorilla over in the tree. I need to re reorganize myself to a fly so yeah. they don't see me. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it seems like it, 
you know, we did last episode. Just you just kept going after him, you know, kept trying new things and kept hunting. And like you said, you've found found a spot, gave up on the other spot, and went for it. That's something that we're pretty bad about. If we have a spot in mind, we're like, okay, we're going there, and then we'll find really good sign, and we'll be like, but that other spot, yeah, you it's, know, it's hot, it's hot. And every time we're wrong. <laughs> it feels like every time. Well, man, I mean, I just think mobile hunting. And I, and I didn't do this prior to, but I've really just went full in. And, you know, I, like I said, I've researched and, and, and read and, and did everything I could, but the two places, the, the two groups of people that really interest me the most are the hunting beast, you know, Dan Infall mm-hmm. and the Dequistos. I mean, I think, you know, for a guy that can't hunt a ton, you know, and being really, really efficient with your time, that is by far the the best way to see more deer and be on be in deer than any other way to hunt because it's just like you keep them guessing i mean since since i started doing this like this season i hunted the same tree twice all year every other set was you know a new new set mainly with that with that mobile with that mobile setup i mean it's well worth the money i would totally save and and, and get one i mean not necessarily that brand i'm not trying to be brand specific or anything but any of them you know there's Pretty much every company now has some type of light mobile setup that you can throw on your back and go and be really light and mobile and limp and nimble. I mean, even a saddle, you know, for some people it might be, but that, that mobile game and like knowing like he didn't have a clue I was there. And, you know, if I would have had a, you know, pre pre hung set, I guarantee you, you might get one or two shots maybe. And you got to pick it, you know, perfect versus being able to hunt sign and be versatile and hunt the wind and uh, try to get the wind, you know, not necessarily 100% your favorite, but a little bit like you're cheating it. And you can cheat it a lot more, too, if you're always moving around. So mm-hmm. I would say we were probably 90% mobile last year, mm-hmm. and we yeah. probably hunted 50-plus days, yeah. and we were probably 90% mobile. So five days, oh. we were in a preset stand. <laughs> when you do go to a preset well, stand, you're like, wow, this is nice. It's not. <laughs> got a Cadillac yeah. out here. You're like, I'm set yeah. up in seven minutes. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I mean, it's so nice yeah. <laughs> when you don't have to throw one together. I hate, I hate putting one up in the mornings. Yeah, it's I hate tough, that. man. In the dark. And I like doing like, Put it up in the afternoon before hunt that afternoon, hunt that morning. Yeah, tear it down. that's yeah. what we yeah, do like, a lot like, too. You get up in that like tree that. and there's no shooting. You're like, damn it. <laughs> and you're like, yes. if anything comes through in the morning, I'm screwed anyway. So we've been doing it now where we're like, okay, that tree, they're shooting. If we want to go anywhere in this area. We'll get in that tree and mark it down on the map for the future. And you want to throw a set in here, you got a tree kind of already mapped out to where you think you at least have some shooting. And then yeah. and then another thing is some trees, it seems like, you know, you can get a certain height and other trees you hang in the morning and you're like, man, I'm like 12 foot. And I was like 16 or 18 the other day and I can't shoot at all at 12, but I could shoot a bunch at 18 so yeah, definitely a tough, but like yeah. I said, we, we switched to that and we've had a bunch of the counters since we've done that, um, you know, right on the edge encounters too. So we're, we're almost really down to fine tuning it. we just need a little luck on our side and we'll be in the dice. But you mentioned Dan, we, we've recorded one with Dan and we have, uh, we, can we sneak it out? Way <laughs> out. Say, yeah, way out. <laughs> we have an episode that we recorded with Dan that's absolutely epic, but we're saving it till season, but it's. It's something Dan yeah, has yeah. never talked about, and it's it's super cool. Oh, I can't wait. So yeah, it's I can't it's wait. one of the 
it was I was like intrigued, like <laughs> in depth the whole entire time he was talking. It was awesome. So anything that it's guy all, says I mean, it's is just like against the grain completely. Like you yeah. know what you you know quote unquote you know learn from TV. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know you watch works. the juries and then you watch him. You're like these guys are. Yeah night and day doing stuff day, different but, yeah but, but hey they both get it done yeah i mean you know i mean it's just a totally different you know uh, scenario you i know? think I they mean, both yeah they both understand the deer that they're hunting the type of deer yes. that they're hunting and that's and what the it, terrain that they're hunting them in. that's what it yeah. takes to kill them and we're we're hunting different terrain than we're used to and we were trying to hunt them like the deer that we were in the past and it, you just can't kill them that way you just got to relearn yeah. You got to relearn everything. And that's like we said, I don't know how many times we said on this podcast, if we went to like anywhere with big woods with hills and stuff, we'd be like, I don't even know what to do. Just sit here and try it out. You know, we'd have to relearn everything because that's not, we're used to hunting like tiny woodlots like you and pinches and. Like, bro, you got a cornfield around here? Yeah. Strip mine ground and stuff like that. We just bopping around and, and doing the, doing our thing. But if we got into something we didn't understand, it would take. We always say it takes like two years to understand mm-hmm. how the deer use the property before you can even get on the edge of yeah, killing. There's, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It takes time, and I mean, there's no way to rush the process. You just gotta love the process. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, no matter where you're at, because that's like, I mean, that's the best part about it. You know, the whole story. You know, the deer's great, but like, yeah, leading yeah. up to that moment was, you know, yeah, the you know the missed opportunity on the shot. You beat him, but. You know, he just couldn't seal the deal, and then you get to beat him again and, and get closure. That's that's where. But it made me grow so much as a hunter, though. Like if I would have got him the first time, I mean, that was like the. I mean, it's kind of luck, you know. Yeah. Luck, I just walked up on some great sign and hung a set, and, mm-hmm. and and it happened. But I learned so much more from 2017 till now. From that time, okay. So, and I'm not trying to like brag by no means by this, but from 2017 to 2020, uh, before that, I never killed anything with my bow or, or a gun that was, you know, over 120 inches from 2017 to 2020. I know that I've killed, uh, one, two, three, four, four bucks that are over 125. Nice. You know, yeah. I if mean, you can kill every year, you're doing something right. You're getting something figured out yeah. on the ground. You're hunting. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what I mean, and that, and that was mainly I think I contribute the most to the mobile thing because uh, one of the bucks was in Illinois, um, and the rest of them are in the river bottoms, um, and one of them was in the old hill ground that we hunt, the foothills, nothing like nothing big, no big woods, but like cattle farm type stuff. But um, but staying mobile is by far the the best thing that I've ever done with with hunting, and then understanding that offwind, yeah, offwind. We're gonna we're gonna push the limits on that this year pretty hard. We're gonna risk some, try to just be right like on the edge of the edge, and see if we don't get more encounters. If we if we get winded anyway, so don't yeah, matter. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't even need to hunt yeah. the wind as much as we get winded. Yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like the whole theory of like you know, like Dan talks about like you know bumping deer and and, and stuff like that, and if you bump them the right way or you know one time and you're mobile like it's almost like it sure is the deer that hey i'm in the right spot i, I didn't i didn't die so uh why would i leave <laughs> why would yeah. i leave if, if it worked i mean obviously you're doing it every day or something like that yeah but you know one, once or twice i mean i don't think it phases them at all if anything it reassures them hey i got this thing figured out yeah for sure all right well you got anything else for him 
No, no, right. I, I, I was yeah. glad to hear the story. Yeah, and, man. Uh, man, just year after year and being able to compile all that data and just knowing from the 23rd to the 30th, he's going to be here. I, I really like that. And, um, you know, when a deer's in clockwork on summer, I like that too. Even yeah. though, even though for us, it doesn't usually work out all the way to season, but it's at least nice like to get ghost. some good pictures of a nice buck and, um, make you feel like you're doing something right, at least in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, and, and it sounds like y'all have these small, y'all have small bucks timber like yeah, this in a lot of times. country. Yeah. So the y'all's bucks, it seems like, you know, they just hop from like woodblock to woodblock to woodblock to woodblock mm-hmm. for those short spurts of time, because I feel like everyone that I would find, you know, there would be certain bucks that would be there, you know, that time of year. Yeah, we know? have one buck that's there like. The first five days of October, pretty good, and then he's gone, mm-hmm. and then he'll make like two appearances the rest of the year, and then we have one that comes in like mid October, normally kind of chills, and then we have a lot that are on there for about twenty seven set minutes, twenty seven <laughs> thirty minutes, like legitimately we have one mobile on one end, one on the other end, thirty minutes he's off the farm, like you just got to be there in the right thirty minutes. It's it's ridiculous. You're like, what in the heck? And they're going. They're running a half mile to the next timber block yeah. across open ag. In a highway. Yeah, I've seen them In a, a giant it. highway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. Yeah, just, just straight across. Yeah. Check you later, bro. And then and then a week later, you get another 30-minute shot when they're coming, they're coming back. back. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to be there within that hour. You maybe, But we've, we've seen multiple deer in that this dude's just cruising, yeah. you know? And they're always on a mission. They're never just like, like he says, our deer just start like moseying around. They're like... I'm getting through this piece onto the next piece because just there's not enough does there to, that are holding to. They're just like I'm up here on the wild, edge of my territory. As, yeah. Go ahead. As wild as you said that, I would say the deer I mean, are just like kind of they're like, man, I'm up on the north end of my territory. I need to get back down to where I feel more comfortable, and that's why I, they're just kind of zooming through there. And there's no really other deer on the property. Yeah. They don't hold deer. This is more of a pass through. Like, like we'd said, and, um, you just got to be there at the right time. Yeah. And that's how a lot of these wood blocks I think are for people is there. I was talking to a guy at T-ball practice and he hunts South of Seibolts and he's like, before shotgun, there's like just a few deer and he's like, during shotgun season, we just murder deer. He's like, everybody's seeing a ton of does and bucks everywhere. Hmm. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Cause during shotgun season, we have nothing. Right, and they only got to go like a mile, half mile. Mm-hmm. So it's like shotgun comes, and they're like, "All right, it's November twentieth. <laughs> it's time to vacate this north of this road. Everything's south of that." <laughs> but it's it, it, this. That's just how it works for us. But we we've we've been like, okay, we're gonna save this piece and not hunt it October. Kind of let these deer be fresh. Complete opposite this year. We're gonna pound the crap out of it in October, and it's gonna be burnt out by the time the rut comes. But that's we. But there's nothing there in October yeah. to save it for. So yeah, I mean, why, why the deer are there in October. And we're like, all right, yeah, we'll just wait them out. We'll just wait them out and just make it, make just, it home. Make yeah, it home. and Never then do. stay on that sign. Yeah, just stay on that sign. Yeah, that's the main thing. That's what we're gonna do. But yeah, like for for, for bucks, I, I can echo exactly what you're saying. A lot of the deer I see, and many of the encounters I've had with him, it's like he's trotting. He's like he's in a hurry mm-hmm. to get yeah. to wherever he needs to go. Cause he knows where he needs to be to be safe and he's, and it's daylight. So I got to, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that. And I, and how comfortable he was where I, where I finally killed him at, it makes me wonder if he was there, if that was his home. Cause yeah. he's so old too, mm. and he wasn't moving in 2020. If he had been there like the entire time, like that's yeah. where he like lived. lived. He could have. And yeah. felt so comfortable because I'd never found that much sign either. That was another thing up and down these little wood boxes. There's not a ton of sign, but there was so much sign in that one spot that I've, I've never found that much sign hunting where I was specifically hunting at for him. So it makes me think maybe that was like his legit home home. And I'd never been in that wood box. Cause I always, I thought overlooked little piece, like little yeah. tiny. Piece. That's where they hide, yeah. man. Those tiny little overlooked pieces. But was, uh, yeah. one last question. I, I know you had all this data and, and stuff from him through all the years. Um, after you killed him, was there anything that you kind of pieced together other than maybe just what you had said right there? After I killed him or while I was hunting? After after you shot him. Cody and I have had, you know, maybe a handful of deer that after we ended up getting the buck that we're after, um, we finally had a couple extra key points. The neighbor to us. finally starts talking about yeah. the deer and then some stuff starts collecting or, you know, you kill him in a certain area. You're like, okay, for two weeks in October when I didn't have him on cam, he was over on the neighbor's yeah. or something like that. Right, right. And, and, you know, really, unfortunately, I didn't get much of that, which was which was kind of – nice and reassuring that you know usually if you kill a deer like that people are gonna text you or you know send you a picture hey i had that book i had zero um uh, people reach out to me that just shows you how isolated these deer are yeah. the deer numbers like i said are not great like you know you're talking about you know four or five bucks being on all that ground i could hunt those little wood blocks i'm not a lot of high deer density so therefore that's low stress low hunt not very many people hunt around this area and um you got to be really persistent so just kind of reassure me hey you know that you know you got to be patient try to figure them out use the water to access and and uh you know yeah i feel like uh, with, with the big buck we killed i feel like people get kind of discouraged when they have a smaller piece and he's not there a lot but the deer could just not move a lot that's like the big one we killed no one had pictures of that deer no one knew he existed besides us and he wasn't on our piece a lot. <laughs> so that just goes to show you like, okay, maybe he was just 70 yards on the other side of the fence. Like, and that's where he lived most of his life, you know, and 70 yards onto the neighbor and the neighbor had no pictures of him and I kill him. And I'm thinking we're going to get, you know, boatloads of people messaging nothing. No one had trail cam pictures of him. I'm saying it's a complete ghost. When you got 12 or so cams on 26 acres, you're going to know <laughs> when yeah. the deer's there or not there. Yeah. We're running mobiles yeah, out, sure. out that butt yeah. on this deer, you know. And man, mobiles, man, mobiles are, you know, I wasn't, you know, I kind of got to a point where I didn't like using drug cameras because, like, I was having to go in and check them and, mm. and all that yeah. stuff, and getting so addicted to hunting, to hunting just the cameras. But mm. man, the mobiles, they're hard to beat, especially yeah. if you know specific oak trees that drop, <laughs> and you could hang them on some on some freshly dropping oaks, like October, you know, fifth to the fifteenth, and yeah, and. uh you know, you can really take advantage on a cell cam. There's for sure a lot of benefit with them. I mean, people, you know, I feel like we hunt cameras too much, but the cell cams change everything up. I would rather have two cell cams and freaking 15 regular cameras. Yeah, that's right. I won't buy them. That's what we say. We just keep cameras. getting more cell cams and more cell cams <laughs> and more cell cams. We just said, you're like, when, you have, when you're a dad and you have kids, your time's already limited, and you're like, okay, exactly. if I, if I, if I, calculate the cost of this cell cam with going and having the time I have to do to go pull all these other cams 
super worth it. Mm-hmm. If you got and a can that you got to take an hour and a half to pool. Yeah. Yep. And okay, I save an hour and a half every two weeks, all season. That shit adds up quick. That's a whole nother hunt, you know. So, and that's yeah. one cam. You got ten of them. You know, you're saving hella time. So that's how yeah. I. That's Absolutely. how I. I. Uh, I put explain, explain it to my wife. Taking a, <laughs> taking a freaking camera. You yeah. Know? You, you, yeah. When you go in, you're going in to hunt. Yeah. You know? And so that, and you're not taking that card home. Going through it, you're looking at that at work, making a game plan. Like, oh yeah, this deer's there. I got to make a game plan instead of pulling the card, coming home. Oh crap! I should have made a game plan three days ago. Yeah. You know? Or I'm suddenly yeah, sick at behind. work. Yeah. I'm. Su- I just feel terrible at work all of a sudden. I need Shoot to get- her at 10:30 on the scrape yeah. tree. All right, I'm going. Yeah, I need to get out of here. Yeah, that, that sucks. That's for sure. That's the worst part about them is when you're working and you can't go. And yeah. You're like, Bam, there he is. There he yeah, is, I'm right sorry. there. But- all right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. You know, I know you're still at the pharmacy with us, and uh, I appreciate you coming on to tell the listeners our story. Uh, an Arkansas giant. Um, that I think this is only the second Arkansas legend we've had on. So the big ones are still out there in the South. Get out there and put the work in and try to get it done, man. We appreciate you coming on. Right. Thanks for inviting me. I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Here it is. Another legend coming in your ear holes from Arkansas. I love legend episodes. I connected to a lot of this stuff. I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, there's some moves that we should have made last year. Listen to this guy. So that's our main goal. We hope you guys connect to these stories in some way. Maybe pick up a new tactic. This guy found new sign and hunted it. Boom. Killed the buck he's been after for four years. On different access. On different access. I love that. So, yeah. So a lot of big things you can pick up in this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Like always, um... Try to do the right thing and leave a legacy and white till legacy is out.